56 says, In God I have put my trust. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? Vows made to you are binding upon me, O God. I will render praises to you. I don't know if you, you know this, but in English we have one word for praise. And in the, the original Bible language Hebrew, there are several different words for praise that just get translated into one. And this one is the word tudah which means an extension of the hand, thanksgiving, a confession, a sacrifice of praise, thanksgiving for things not yet received, a choir of worshipers. So when it says, I will render praises to you, that's tuda. I will render thanksgiving for things not yet received. And today we are going to have a different looking uh, service together where we're gonna have extended worship and a time of communion just as we close this season where we've been abiding in Christ, we've been fasting and praying, just asking God to move in our lives. And I love that song that we just sang, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. It's so simple and yet so so powerful at the same time. As I was thinking about it this week, I just thought about how as a parent, our kids look at us and depending on our reaction and our response is, is kind of how they respond and how they treat things as well. When, when my kids fall down, they look at me, and how do I react? Is it a big deal, is it not a big deal? When they feel scared, they look at me, is dad scared? And in the same way, we ought to be looking at our heavenly father, looking towards Jesus, who as that scripture just says, is the author and perfect of our faith, because no matter what it is that you feel like, the chaos in your life, you look at Jesus, and he's not worried. He's still in control, God's still sovereign, he's still on the throne. And so, just as Paul says, throw off everything that entangles us, the good, the bad. So for this next hour, what I want us to do is just not think about it. Whatever's going on in your life that, that you carried in today, let's set it aside. Let's fix our eyes on Jesus, who is the author and perfecter of our faith. And he's not worried, he's not scared. And we're gonna have some moments that are extended, just moments to breathe. We're not gonna rush the service. We're gonna have time just to, to sit in his presence, ask him to come and move in our life. Oh, we're going to sing that song again. To turn your eyes upon Jesus and look full in his wonderful face.
Search the world, it couldn't fill me. And man's empty praise and treasures of fame are never enough. And you came along, and you put me back together.
came out a little early, and that's okay. I wanted to be a part of what was going on here. How about it? Because he's the only one who can. That's what we're singing about. Not only is he the only one who can, Pastor Jason a couple weeks ago said, we can do no thing without him. And then last week, we heard Jesus's words, I am the vine. We're the branches. We gotta stay connected to him. We've gotta get serious about our relationship to him. And that's why these, these songs were so powerful as we end our 21 days of prayer and fasting. And we're in this season of abide that concludes today. Because if we learned anything over the past year, everything can be taken away except the one who can never be taken away. Everything can fail except for the one who never fails. So let's stay connected. Let's focus on Jesus. Amen? Amen. You may be seated. 
That was fun. Notice they turned off my microphone when I started singing. <laughs> I want to give you a, a quick update on Pastor Jason. He's doing great. Um, thank you so much for praying for him. Uh, he's feeling terrific. He went up to Jasper this morning, and uh, he's going to stop by here uh, later this morning for the 1130 gathering. But uh, thank you so much for praying. Thank you for praying. As we, as we conclude our 21 days of prayer and fasting, we heard all through this that abiding in Jesus is obeying in Jesus. And today we're going to do an act of obedience, and that is to take communion. This is one of the things that, that Jesus commanded us to do. He commanded us to take communion, get baptized, calls them ordinances. An ordinance is an obedience to a command, and we get to do this together, which is amazing because it's saying we belong to Jesus. And when we say we belong to Jesus and we do it together in these rooms at home, we are saying we're united. And haven't we needed a little bit of that? It's saying that our preferences are out the door. Our opinions are out the door. What we think about this doesn't matter because we're united in the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. Luke chapter 22, it's pretty familiar. And when we take communion together in just a little bit, we're gonna read these verses again. But I wanna start with these verses. And when the hour came, this is the day before his crucifixion. And when the hour came, he reclined at table and the apostles with him. And he, Jesus, said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took a cup. And when he had given thanks, he said, take this and divide it among yourselves. One cup. Divide it among all of us. Because Jesus took one cup of wrath for the sins of the world. And we are all partakers in his sacrifice for us. And he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise the cup after they had eaten, saying, this cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. Jesus knew what was coming the very next day, what we would know as Good Friday. He knew he was going to the cross, and he earnestly, he deeply longed to do this with them. He wanted us to understand 
the bread was his body broken for them, and that the wine was his blood poured out for them. But I want to go back for a moment. I want to go back to the most significant week in the history of the world when this happened, because this was not a random occasion of getting together and, and doing this. Let's go back to Jerusalem, 33 AD. Normally in Jerusalem, there, there are 80,000 people in a very small place. Give you some perspective, Canton, whether you took the census or closed the door on the census, somewhere between 25 and 30,000 people. 80,000 people normally in Jerusalem. But this week, this particular week, two and a half million people. Why were they there? Were they there for communion? No, because it hadn't happened yet. They were there to celebrate Passover. Everybody from all around Judea would come to Jerusalem to celebrate Passover, to commemorate the Jewish people's exodus from slavery in Egypt 1,500 years earlier. And you know that story. Moses, Pharaoh, and God wanted, God wanted the, the Egyptians to repent. He gave them so many opportunities, and he sent the 10 plagues. And what was the last plague? That, that the firstborn in every home would die. But who was spared? Don't miss this. Who was spared? The ones who took the lambs that were raised, blemish-free, spotless, and were sacrificed. And then the people would take the blood of that lamb and paint it on the doorstep of their homes. The ones who did that, death passed over their homes and they were saved. The ones who trusted in faith that the blood of the sacrifice of the lamb would protect them. Now here comes Jesus 1,500 years later into Jerusalem. And this is, this is wild because there's two and a half million people and they meet him at the east gate of Jerusalem. And, and they are, they're crying out, Hosanna, Hosanna, save us. They think Jesus is coming on a horse to be a conquering king, to save them from the oppression of what is then the Roman Empire. Jesus, he's got, he's got a better plan. He's got a better plan. He's gonna save them. He's gonna bring them freedom, but it's not what they think. They think he's coming as a conquering king. He's coming in on a donkey as a suffering savior, as a suffering servant. Because he's not gonna give them some earthly, temporary victory. He's bringing an eternal victory. So it's Thursday of that week. It's the Passover Seder. It's happening all over Jerusalem. And here we are, Thursday of that week. Comes into town on Palm Sunday. Now it's Thursday. 
the Last Supper, a feast in remembrance of the blood of the sacrificial lamb. Go back to Exodus 12, 14. This day shall be for you a memorial day. And you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. As a statute forever, you shall keep it as a feast in remembrance the blood of the sacrificial lamb. It did not hit me until this morning. I celebrated 45 Passovers and I missed it. We read that verse 45 times at our Passover dinners and I missed the significance of the blood of the lamb. 1 Corinthians 5 calls Jesus the Passover lamb. Jesus in communion is saying, there's a new exodus. There's a new freedom coming tomorrow. So back to Luke chapter 22, Jesus knows what's coming. He's going to the cross. He gets his friends together. He gets his disciples together. Even the one who's gonna betray him because he longed for this. And now we get to do it. We get to do this together in Canton. We get to do it in Jasper. We get to do it at home and we get to do it together in unity. And it's not lost on me that when we get to dine with Jesus today, there are a lot of people, a lot of family members we haven't gotten a chance to dine with. But if we have trusted in Jesus, we're in Jesus's family. And we get to dine with him today. We're gonna celebrate Jesus. We're gonna thank Jesus. We're gonna remember Jesus. But you might be sitting here, maybe watching at home, and you're thinking, I don't know this Jesus. I don't know this Passover lamb. I, I, I don't know what you're talking about. I, a friend of mine brought me, said we're going to Chipotle afterwards. So I'm, I'm, I'm kind of missing what is going on here. Well, let me tell you about this Jesus. Let me tell you about the Lamb of God. Let me tell you about the Son of God. Let me tell you about the Prince of Peace, the Lord of Lords. Because somebody told me 14 years ago and opened my eyes to his glory and what he did. Why did Jesus have to take this cup of wrath? Why did he have to die for the sins of the world? Well, this is the Bible. The Bible says that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And all that means is we're not perfect, he is, and we're measured to a perfect God. Good enough is not good enough to get into heaven. Better than your neighbor is not good enough to get into heaven. We've all sinned and fall short of God's glory, but there's a penalty to sin. And the penalty is death. The penalty is we don't get to be connected to the vine. We don't get to be in relationship with our heavenly father. 
So somebody had to pay that penalty. And John 3.16 says, God loved you, loved us so much, loved the world so much that he gave his only son, Jesus Christ. And whomever believes in him shall not perish and will have eternal life. God sent his son and crushed him for the sins of the world that we might have life, life eternal, and a relationship with God. God says he adopts us into his family when we trust in Jesus. He calls us sons and daughters. So if that's you, and you're hearing about Jesus for the first time, let me tell you something. There was David pre-14 years ago, pre-2006, and there was David post-September 26, 2006. And I cannot tell you how crystal clear he brought me out of darkness and into his marvelous light. So if you want that, if you're ready for that, let's pray. Let's pray and trust in Jesus. Heavenly Father, we're amazed at who you are. We're amazed at your perfect plan to bring us back into relationship with you. And if there's anybody watching, if there's anybody here who has not trusted in Jesus, our prayer is simple. And if that's you, you can pray this to yourself. If you're home, pray it out loud. Heavenly Father, oh, to hear about your Son. I recognize that I am a sinner and I need a Savior. I want to be in relationship with you. I want a life eternal with you. I want to be adopted into your family. I want you to call me a son or a daughter. Will you save me? I trust that Jesus is who he says he is and that you raised him from the dead, declaring victory, victory over death, victory over sin. Thank you for saving me in Jesus' name. If that was you, if you're watching at home, you're gonna have an opportunity in, in just a few moments to let us know about that. If it was here, we're asking that you raise your hand. Everybody can keep their eyes closed. We don't wanna embarrass anyone, but it's nothing to be embarrassed about. It's the greatest day of your life. If you just wanna shout and raise your hand that you trusted in Jesus, go ahead. But raise your hand, we have a Bible for you. We wanna celebrate this with you. Thank you. If you just trusted in Jesus, we're gonna take communion. If you've already trusted in Jesus, we're gonna take communion. But if you aren't ready to trust in Jesus, if you're still not sure, it's okay. Bible says taking communion in an unworthy manner is, is not good. 
it, it's, it's taking this, this cup, not understanding that it's Jesus' body and Jesus' blood, not actual, but in remembrance of him. So we would ask respectfully that you don't take communion if you've not trusted in Jesus. And if you want to know more about Jesus, find me after this gathering. There's nothing I like talking more about. If you need a cup, raise your hand. We've got people who have cups. Let's take communion together. Verse 19, and he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it. Break that bread. And then he gave it to them, saying, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. You may take the bread. And likewise, the cup, after they had eaten, saying, this cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. You may drink the cup. Heavenly Father, thank you that we get to take this communion with you, that we get to take this communion together, that we get to take this communion united in remembrance of Jesus, in remembrance of his body broken for us, in remembrance of his blood poured out for us. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you. Worship's amazing because it's more than just the singing. Worship is doing what we just did. We opened up God's word. That's worship. Communion was worship. Anything that we do in response to what Jesus did for us is worship. And our generosity is worship. Many of you, many of you watching at home, give on a regular basis. You've set up your tithing on our website. Sometimes you'll give right here in the middle of the gathering by texting a dollar amount to the number that you see on the screen, 84321. So we thank you. We thank you for your generosity because it's an act of worship. Maybe you haven't started that particular act of worship. Maybe your journey begins today. You can go to our website, just click on the word give. And as you give, you are saying in response to Jesus doing everything for you, I worship you, I praise you, I give you all the glory. Our posture is important 
our humility is important. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. He says, the earth is my footstool, heaven's my throne, but this is the one to whom I shall look. The one who is humble and contrite in spirit and trembles at my word. So if you're comfortable taking a posture on your knees as we continue worshiping him, there's plenty of room to move around. Let's sit in this moment, whether you're on your knees or you're, you're sitting in your seats, sit in this moment and think about what he did for us. Everything we need. He's the only one who can. God sends his son, they called him Jesus, he came to
bring it all to peace the storm surrounding me let it break at your name still call the sea to still the raging me to still every wave at your Shadow 